right. Welcome back to the latest and the greatest of the Blue Brothers Sportscast. Real talk, real fans. We bring you Michigan football each and every week. I'm Caleb, and with me as always is Craig. And we actually have a third individual joining us here this week as we are going to be bringing you our 2017 season in review. Uh, Our guest this week is Tyler Warner. Uh, Some of the Michigan fans might recognize that from some of the work that he does. I'm actually going to go ahead and let him introduce himself and tell you kind of where you can find him and what exactly he does. So, uh, Tyler, if you want to introduce yourself. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, For starters, I just wanted to say thank you for having me on the show and on this one in particular. Um, Yeah, my name is Tyler Warner. I'm uh, one of the writers at the Blueprint uh, Michigan, the blog. And um, my at is at WarnerT53. And, yeah, pretty much I'm just a diehard Michigan fan, man. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, so if any of you are familiar with the Blueprint, you've probably come across some of Tyler's stuff. Uh, Tyler's been communicating with us a little bit, and we're happy to have him here on the show. Uh, Most everybody should be familiar with the Blueprint and some of the things that they do because we have Rashawn on here, and he is a big part of that. So uh, I don't think we're going to really waste any time. Um, Sometimes we do. I think we brought in Tyler because I don't get to talk very much. Yeah. Yeah, we, we don't. We're trying. We're actually we're phasing out, Craig. Guys. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we get him on here. I don't get to say very much. That might be a good thing, man. So, you might get a lot of fans out there going, "Get that Craig guy to shut up and get more." So it might this might work in my favor, dude. Yeah, you might might be able to take some time off. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know. Hey, everyone needs a little vacation sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Take a nap. I mean, you know, I am old. <laughs> yeah, well, vacation would be nice, but it's definitely not going to be an off-season that we can uh, just kind of sit yeah. around and not expect anything to be done because no. there's a lot that people see that needs to be fixed, and it did not end on a very positive note, that's for sure. I'm going to uh, kind of steer this conversation a little bit, but I really want to leave it open-ended. Um, but I, I have two kind of big questions that's going to be really interesting to hear what you guys have to say about it. Um, and I guess maybe I'll, I'll get the bad out of the way, but I kind of feel like the, the other question isn't going to be that much better. Uh, obviously, finishing off the season with uh, three, uh, three straight losses, uh, actually again, uh, which is never any sports fan's uh, ideal scenario to end, uh, end off the season for the entire season though. And I'll probably go ahead and, uh, start with Craig on this one, Craig, where do you think kind of the lowest point was for this 2017, 18 season? Boy, that's a, man, that's a big, broad question. And, you know, we, you know, where are we going to go with it? There's quite a few avenues in it. And, I mean, you could do, steer it towards the offensive line was really, really weak this year. Um, they couldn't. The passing offensive line wasn't was terrible. Which uh, the running game wasn't bad. I mean, I think they blocked very well, but when the passing was just atrocious, I think they just did a really a terrible job. But you know what? I think my biggest thing, and I really look at the year, and I, I was actually examining it all year round, is the very fact is we've had. Three quarterbacks from the very beginning, even last year, we've had three quarterbacks, if you think about it, all have progressed on the first game of the season, do really, really well. And as the season went along, we've had three quarterbacks actually almost take a nosedive when it came game to game. And usually when you get in, you know, when you get a first game under your belt and you start getting, you know, some rhythm with your receivers and the offensive line, you start getting a little bit better. Um, but if we, if you saw Spade in the Florida game, the Florida game, he actually played very well. And then he just got worse. You take a corn against Purdue, a corn comes in, does really, really well. And then as the games went on, he got worse. And then you take Peters comes in uh, against Rutgers, does really, really well. He did uh, pretty good against the next game and then he got worse as the game went on and and to me that's a little disheartening because you start saying we only had nine pds all season and so that right there tells me 
the offensive line wasn't developing and given enough time for the quarterbacks to throw the ball. And the very fact is we had quarterbacks that digressed throughout the year. And I think that's the most disappointing part because the very fact you have Harbaugh, who's, you know, a a quarterback guru, you know, he was known for that and taking Rudock and doing some major great things with him. And Rudock is the example of a guy who started off really bad against Utah, throws three interceptions and got better as the year went on. And we didn't see that with it this year. And, and so I'd say that was my biggest takeaway of this game or this uh, season. And, um, yeah, I mean, it'd be cool to see what, uh, what Tyler thinks about it. And, you know, it's kind of a – there's a lot of avenues we can go down, but uh, that's my point. Yeah, that's kind of uh, – yeah, a lot of avenues. That's, that's kind of an understatement, you know, because, you know, this year was just a giant roller coaster. Everyone started off the year with that. You know, at the time, it was a ginormous win against Florida. And then as the season kind of went on, it's like, okay, maybe we're not that good because maybe Florida's not that good. And then kind of reality started setting in. And, like, just to piggyback off of what you were saying a little bit earlier is, you know, I'm looking at the passing stats right now. And our number one passer was John O'Corn, and he didn't even eclipse a 1,000 yards passing. He didn't even get three touchdown passes. He threw – he went – Two to six as a ratio, touchdowns to interceptions, that is just god-awful. You know, um, that's not really something that you could have, especially, you know, in in a pro-style offense. You need to be able to complete good passes and make good reads. So um, hopefully we see a little bit of progression, you know, from the passing attack next season, whether it be Peters, whether it be Milton, McCaffrey, or hopefully Patterson, you know, so hopefully we can get a little, hopefully we can get any improvement there. Cause you know, with the running attack we had this year, that could actually turn into a pretty good positive with a lot of play action and stuff like that. So, but for me, the low, the, uh, the low point in the season uh, was definitely that South Carolina loss. That one hurt um, in more ways than one. Cause it kind of, when we were up 19 to three, you know, it was like, okay, this Michigan actually looks decent. The defense looks like they're, you know, they're in sync. And then the offense just absolutely came unglued at every single seam in every single way that it could. And it honestly brought back like old visions of like the 2008 Michigan Wolverines and the Brady Hoke teams. And it's like, okay, you're starting to see some chinks in the armor here. So what are we really going to do about it? You know, blowing a lead that big in a major bowl game on national television, that's not a good look. And, you know, I don't want it to be all drab and all doom and gloom and stuff, but you know, that's just kind of the facts of it. Um, you know, the fact that there was literally no continuity with the offensive attack after over a month of, uh, you know, of prep and, you know, the O line didn't look any better, you know, passing looked pretty spotty. Couldn't really run the ball that well. Um, and then we got beat by, you know, like, I think it was like a first or maybe a second time coordinator, the offensive coordinator, uh, you know, he was calling a better game than our offensive coordinator was, and that's Tim Drevno or Pep Hamilton or Jim Harbaugh, you know, whoever is really actually in the kitchen actually doing all the cooking, you know, while the other two are watching. So that's kind of my major takeaway of it is like, you know, that final bowl game was like that final nail in the coffin of, wow, this year was very disappointing. I mean, it was pretty spot on where everyone predicted it and you know, that kind of reality kind of hurts. Cause I was, I was totally on board with us. Like, yeah, maybe we turn a corner and like this is like, like our breakout season. You know, Saban in his third year, he went to a national title. I kind of let that get in my own head a little bit. Not saying I was predicting a national title, but I was predicting us to do pretty well. I was expecting to beat some teams that we're not supposed to beat. And that's another low point for me is where, you know, we still don't have that signature upset loss. I thought that was really going to be the Ohio State game or the Wisconsin game. Um, and I think if we have a viable quarterback in both of those games, you know, Wisconsin after Peters got hurt and um, Ohio State with O'Corn, I think we have a good shot at beating those teams. Um, you know, that's kind of just where I take away from it. Or had we had good quarterback play, I think this team is way better off. If we have a quarterback who could pass for over a thousand yards in one season, I think we would have actually been pretty dangerous to some other teams, mainly Michigan State. Yeah. Yeah, that game was rough within itself, uh, weather included and everything on that. Uh, but definitely they outplayed us and they uh, 
had a better playbook from how we watched things that day. But the things that mm-hmm. uh, I saw, definitely agreeing with you guys, uh, focusing on the passing game, offensive line. Uh, I do. It, it's a tough call. There were three things that came to mind for me. You touched on one, Tyler, with the uh, South Carolina game, where it's just the end of the season. You're hoping for something good. We, I talked uh, on the show a couple of times about the team, especially the defense, being able to have uh, some kind of mark of success on the season and being able to be a decent South Carolina team. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say they were anything too special, but they were still a good team a bowl team that made it to that uh, to the Outback Bowl, that would have been something that the team could have looked on and said, okay, we had some success this year. We, we ended on a high note, and it was everything but that with how it turned out. Of course, then the other one that you look at is uh, a blowout loss to Penn State. That was, that was certainly a low point um, and something Big time. people were talking about wanting Peters. But you don't really want to throw a new quarterback in a situation like that, and I don't think it would have been able to make much of a difference because nothing was really clicking that well that day. But then another uh, time that came to mind was when Peters got knocked out at the Wisconsin game where you finally feel like things might be going in a somewhat okay direction. We have what looks to be a stable quarterback that might be able to bring the team together, and then that hope is quickly taken away because of injury and we go back to a quarterback uh as you mentioned Tyler was being 2 and 6 in the passing game. So yeah, it was there were it's something that we haven't had to discuss uh really over the past 2 years before this uh with a lot of items to choose from for like the low points of the season. Uh, but there definitely was a lot going on this year. So now I think this is the trickier and uh the trickier, the more tricky situation, a more difficult question to answer. And so I'll go backwards this time, go Tyler, then Craig. To go opposite of that, then what is the high point of this season or what is the biggest positive note that you can take from this season to the next one? Because we thought there were going to be good things moving from last year to this year that we totally did not see happen or progress. But was there a game? Was there a moment? Is there something that we can say after the South Carolina game that even with all this negativity, there is this positive note to take away from it moving forward? Oh, honestly, um, honestly, I think there's a lot more positives to this whole situation than anyone really could think. And this is probably where some of you, some of your guys' fan base is going to start turning this off because they're like, oh, man, he's just a blowhard, you know, this and that. But yeah. honestly, there's a lot of takeaways. Every single year, there's there's something positive to be had from the season. The fact that Karan Higdon was literally six yards away from um, 1,000 yards rushing, that's also a high point and a low point, mainly because he didn't get that 1,000 yards, but it kind of showed that we do have running backs that can do it in Karan Higdon. Evans fin- finished with over 650 yards and Ty Isaac finished with over 500. So we had a pretty good run game and I like, and we basically returned the entire offensive line, like, you know, minus Kugler and Cole, which I think if we, uh, you know, that, that one guy from rice, his name is eluding me. I don't remember, Calvin but if we Calvin Anderson, yeah. Yeah. Calvin Anderson, that's it. You know, if like, let's say we get a, a grad transfer or, you know, we get, some other continuity, you know, get Grant Newsom back, you know, hopefully, you know, I'm rooting for that. Um, you know, the rushing attack is a big high point for me this year, you know, especially against like teams like Indiana and Minnesota, where it was, it was just the track race most of the time, you know, with Karan Higdon and Evans. And then, excuse me, um, another high point uh, of the season is also getting shape Patterson. You know, that's, that's like the light at the end of the tunnel, the, you know, the big star that's kind of like everyone's like grasping at that. Everyone that's, that's everyone's hope right there. And, you know, if he's cleared and he can actually play, that's, that's going to shoot everyone's expectations way up, which could be good and bad. And then uh, just, sorry, I'm kind of bouncing from, you know, topic to topic here. But another thing that's really got me excited is a lot of the coaches that we're bringing in, um, you know, uh, the tight end coach that we just that we just brought in more from uh, Central Michigan. He's a young coach. He's a good coach. From what I've seen, he's a good recruiter. The fact that we were able to actually retain Chris Partridge from the grasp of Alabama of all of all teams, yeah. 
that's insane to me because um, I'm pretty sure it was like a linebacker spot. You know, I think that's a little bit of an upgrade over a special teams coach. You know, we still have to see kind of see where that plays out, where Partridge winds up because maybe he gets a linebacker spot or uh, I mean, safeties, sorry. Um, but then again, what, what kind of happens with Devin Bush? And then we also got uh we just got a coach, I believe it was today or yesterday. I'm not sure exactly when we got him, but uh, his name is Tony Jones. Have you guys heard of this? Oh. Yeah, I saw it come across. Yeah, you probably saw like Michigan Twitter like retweeted or whatever. Oh yeah, sorry. We also got Dan Enos and a couple of strength coaches. I think we have like seven strength coaches now. That's that's pretty good. Um yeah, but Tony Jones, he was actually as long as I got the right person here, I'm pretty sure he was the former Northwestern wideout who graduated back in uh twenty fifteen. He was out of Grand Blank High School, uh, you know, out of Flint. And um he was a three star recruit stuff like that um he went undrafted to the redskins but from what i understand you know just reading a little bit up about him it's actually a pretty solid route runner and he's not our wide receiver coach officially but he's his title is uh, a football operations assistant so i mean let's be honest he's just going to be assisting he i'm he's going to be hanging out with some of these you know these young dudes and the fact that we bring everyone back too that's another high point um, we got, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Terry Black, Nico Collins, Martin. You know, we just have a plethora of wide receivers coming back. And then to bring in a dude who he didn't exactly have pro experience, but he was undrafted free agent to the Redskins. He was able to talk to guys like Sean Jackson and RG3 back at that time when he was still on a team, kind of making a few moves. Um, you know, so that's kind of kind of brings something. You know, he could bring a different edge. And I believe the guy's only like 23, 24. So, I mean, he is super young and, you know, obviously he's going to be energetic. I think he's going to hit the recruiting trail pretty hard, you know, much like the entire staff has already been doing, you know, Matt Dudek has been doing coast to coast with Drevno, I believe um, I could be wrong with the Drevno part, but I know it's at least Dudek. He's going from West coast to East coast and, you know, like nonstop flights. And then we got Madison over in Germany. You know, I think we're hitting the recruiting trail pretty hard. And that's another thing that's really getting me excited especially for that 2019 recruiting class because that's that's our big one yeah for sure and uh yeah no problem bouncing around because i think everybody's looking for uh kind of almost anything positive to take away from this uh so that's not even the end of it honestly like i could keep going and going and going but i'll I'll give you guys a spotlight sorry all right yeah no problem and we might get to that so uh craig some of your biggest uh highlights on where you could say the most positive thing to happen during the season or to take away from the season then well i mean obviously if you look at the season at a whole and you know some of the uh, high points and and you and i talked about this on a previous podcast talking about and we i even posed the question and it might be you know even one of the questions that even tyler can answer is one of those you know the defense this defense and how many games has this defense kept us in games and actually won games for us um it is amazing to actually think about the, how young this defense was with only one returning starter that could play this well under don brown and don brown playing this defense up to a top five defense in the country that is sick and absolutely one of the best coaching jobs i think i've ever seen uh at michigan and probably i would say in college football this year you, you can talk about alabama you can talk even uh um, watching georgia and all the defensive moves going on there but uh to have don brown take one uh all these young guys even the secondary i'm absolutely shocked that remember <laughs> you have to remember we walked into this year thinking that our secondary is going to be struggling uh, they're all new guys. We have Long, we have Hill, we got some of these other guys. And man, Watson, they, yeah, Watson. They shut down. They shut down the passing. Uh, they shut down most of the passing game on on all fronts. And then you had the linebackers do such a good job. And you had a defensive tackles just rip apart some of these teams. And <laughs> such a good job. And I always wonder if you have to think about this. This is one of these questions you got to really seriously ask yourself. If Don Brown had him playing at 70, 80 percent of which would be phenomenal, he had him at 100, almost 100 percent all the time, most of the time. 
how many games we would have lost. I mean, we wouldn't be at eight and five. I don't believe right now if Don Brown wasn't coach coaching up these defensive lines. We wouldn't. I, I actually believe we would. We'd probably be at five hundred or something. Uh, it's Don Brown's kept us in the game. Yeah, they let us down on the stretch, but you, you know. Caleb, I've talked to, to you about uh, the defenses only can last so long when you got uh, an offense that's struggling so bad this year. Yeah. Scored both points. And the defense goes, look, man, we're doing our best, and and we're young. All right? Got to keep saying that. We're young. We only have one returning starter, and you want us to keep this up for four quarters to win the game. Yeah, yeah, you can do it. I mean, we've seen it. But it's such a difficult thing to do. It's so much to ask of your defense when they've been shutting down. You know, if you take the South Carolina job uh, game, they really did a great job until the fourth quarter and just all fell apart. So uh, uh, I like that. I really liked what uh, the kicking game. I actually uh, um, like what went what went with that. Um, I know he struggled uh at the beginning and now he did really really well at the end uh, i think he got his little mojo back i think he struggled with a couple games and then got it back and kicked some really good field goals towards the last two the three to four games and um i just think um you know the kicking game did really really well but uh i mean there's a lot of good positive things like tyler was saying um i think the quarterback play you know bringing shea patterson in really helps us but uh yeah, I think Higdon was a knockout. I think he, him doing that switch to him being the feature back was the best thing, I think, for us. And then having Evans as a change of pace. And I've said that to you, Caleb, haven't I? I said, I'm not a big fan of multiple backs. I never have been. <laughs> and I've had people argue with me, and that's fine. I just, I like a feature back and I like a change of pace back. I like, you know, a guy that can get out in the flat and you can throw a pass through like Evans and get him out and space him out. And he can just wreak, wreak havoc on uh, defenses. And then I like your grinder. You know, I like your grinder and Higdon. And then Isaac, you know, more of a goal line guy, but he, he, he had his moments. But um, those are some really good positives, I think. And, um, uh, those are things you can build off of. It's just the offense needs to keep up with our defense at times. And I felt like, you know, in a way they didn't pull, you know, I don't know if it's coaching. You and I were talking about whether it's coaching, if it's just the players being young. But um, I just think that the defense really held their own this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's anybody that can have really anything to complain overall with the defense. I mean, uh, like you mentioned, Craig, there were those moments that they they lost it a little bit. They became derailed. But when you're on the field so much, you you got to anticipate that that's going to happen at some point. So, uh, yeah, defense, uh, major high point, especially with the questions coming in this year. And you talking about the secondary, The re- part of the reason why the secondary was so effective was because the uh, – guys up front were so effective, making it so that the quarterback barely had time to throw, and so those work hand-in-hand. Hand. Uh, something from my perspective of looking at it and everything is just, uh, even from the simple standpoint of what was a highlight win, perhaps, for the season, if you yeah. look up and down the schedule, it's tough to come by one. Honestly, maybe the best game that you could sit there and you could watch and you could feel good, decent about it outside of the quarterback play part of the time was the Florida game. Oh that, yeah. That was probably yeah. the highlight win, even though it was against what wound up being a bad or poor Florida team. Uh, Cause Michigan, uh, as it was stated before earlier in the, uh, during the season did not be a team with a record over 500. I mean, you could technically say that maybe about Purdue now because of their bowl win, but for a regular season, they did not be the team with a record over 500. And uh, that was part of the reason why the Cincinnati game could have been bit, uh, big because it was a team that had a winning record. It could have been uh, something good for the team. But, yeah, to from that aspect of uh, looking at the games and the wins, there's not a lot to t- take away from it. And it's disappointing to see, especially from the aspect that that was the first game of the year and everything kind of derailed from there and it just never got back on track. The defense was stable. Defense did great. Uh, like both you and Tyler have said, there are a lot of different uh, positives to take away in different areas. Um, 
I know that a lot of people are down because they look at it from the uh, wins and losses column. Uh, they don't necessarily break it down. They're uh, concerned about things with recruiting um, because of the performance of Michigan this year and everything. So I, um, a positive that I think moving forward, it, and I know, I know a lot of our listeners will kind of agree with this too. I know that things haven't been so popular on social media, maybe with some people in Harbaugh, but. I think a big positive, obviously, and it almost doesn't have to – it can go without saying, but it's Harbaugh. He gets bothered by losing, and he is bothered by this performance, and he knows that things need to change and need to get done. Now, while there hasn't been, like we've mentioned, that sexy big hire where everybody's freaking out and so excited, they've been making changes. They're looking forward, and they're, they're working on it. It's not like they're sitting there in denial. Um, I know that, uh, and actually I'll kind of bring this up into the conversation here. Uh, I had somebody ask a question about, um, Harbaugh and his antics or however you want to label it. Um, mm-hmm. and what people's thoughts were on it, uh, because of the performance, uh, the poor performance as of this season, uh, I'll give my share my thoughts kind of quickly on that. Uh, it's so, his antics so much don't bother me from the aspect that most of the time he does it during the off season. Almost all the time he does it during the off season, and that's when the games aren't played. Yes, I understand that preparation is three sixty five. It's all year long. It matters, but it, it's during the off season. It's not really distracting from the week to week during the season on that preparation side. And honestly, if as long as it's positive with the recruits or as long as it's not negative with the recruits, that's the only thing that really matters in my eyes because they're the ones who are going to be making any important decisions off of what he does. Mm -hmm. So if it's a negative thing, then yeah, maybe change it. But if it's just, you know, it is who he is. So I don't really see the need to change it. I don't know which one of you might want to pick it up, but Harbaugh with his unique personality and the different things that he does, do you think that he needs to quit it and just put his head down and maybe go into submarine mode the whole off season and just do work? Or what are your feelings on that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You want me to go ahead? Yeah, go ahead, man. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, honestly, I think you hit the nail on the head with the whole recruiting thing. I think it honestly, like us as fans, like that's exactly what we are. We're fans. We are, most of us will never suit up for, uh, for the Michigan Wolverines, most of us will never even be on the sidelines, you know? So really what matters is the, the, how do the recruits view this? And, you know, how do the recruits react to it? As long as it's not negative, Harbaugh can do whatever he wants to do, honestly. Um, which that kind of almost sounds bad, but honestly, it, I think it is kind of, it is what it is. Basically you, you get what you get with Harbaugh. If you don't like it, then, you know, you're kind of, you're stuck with them. I mean, honestly, as a Michigan Wolverine fan, if you don't like Harbaugh, I don't really know what to tell you. Cause I don't think he's going anywhere. Even if he does have a bad year next year, which let's be honest, let's all hope we don't do that. Cause we all have Twitter and man, that would not be fun. <laughs> um, so yeah, basically like even if next year doesn't go as planned and we do pretty mediocre, I still think he might be on the hot seat a little bit for the, the next season. But do I think he's going to get fired if he, you know, if he kind of falls flat on his face next year? I don't really think he'll get fired. Um, I think it. I think it would take, you know, at least three really, really bad seasons. Not really, really bad, but I think it'd take at least three more. Not three more, but we're including, you know, this year as as a negative, next year as a negative, and then the year after. I think that would be when he gets the axe. I don't think they'll pull the trigger on that one. So basically, I think you're stuck with them. And if he has a great year next year then, you know, basically, you know, buckle up your seatbelt. Cause you're in for the long, you're in the, you're in for the long haul with Harbaugh. You know, if, if you, if people think it's long right now, you know, this could be dragging onwards to, you know, probably Kirk Ferentz level of how long he might stay here. At least that's how I hope. I really do hope we keep Harbaugh. I just want continuity with our car, with our coaching staff. I'm only 21 years old and I've seen Lloyd Carr, uh, Rich Rod, Hoke, and Harbaugh. I've seen four coaches. Most Michigan fans have only seen, by the time they were 21, 
some of them only saw two, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of, I'm on board with keeping one coach for a while, as long as he's getting some results done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I'll jump in real quick. Sorry, Craig, before go you go. Um, Cause uh, what you were saying with Harbaugh uh, and uh, to give a little detail, the, the one thing that would maybe get to me is that he doesn't say, you know, we're going to win. We're going to, we're going to beat these people. And he, he doesn't like live up essentially to what he says. He just has different antics where he maybe does some weird stuff, but it's not like we're going to go in there. We're going to beat Ohio state. And then boom, they don't beat Ohio state. Uh, that I think would be a completely different conversation. Um, but mm-hmm. there, there was some off of what Tyler said that I wanted to throw that in there real quick before uh, Craig took over. Yeah. I mean, you're right. And that's a, uh a good thing to say, you know, he isn't out there saying a lot of, you know, fluff saying we're going to beat uh, Michigan State, we're going to beat Ohio State. Um, I think the, you know, and you're absolutely right. If you think about it, you know, if it doesn't affect crude, uh, recruiting and if he can get his recruits, and that's cool. Um, I'm all right with it. And if you get players, you know, that might say, hey, you know what? what the way Harbaugh acts, you know, it's turning off a lot of people. I think, you know, you and I, Caleb, are in the inside sometimes, and we know a lot of people that tell us, you know, what recruits, recruits thinking. And, you know, I have to tell you, I don't think it's Harbaugh. I mean, a lot of the recruits are going off of what the, a lot of the Twitter uh, Michigan fans are saying. <laughs> and it's not a good thing either because – Oh, you know, no. <laughs> A lot of them are turned off because they say Michigan fans are, you know, some of the worst. And I have to agree because, you know, they're already talking about getting rid of Harbaugh. And I'm like, who are you going to get? I mean, <laughs> the guy. Oh, man. You, you're not. There's nobody out there. And one, Harbaugh is a great coach. I, what I what I think Harbaugh is, is he's fr- I think he's frustrated. I think he's very, very frustrated. He's not winning. I mean, trust me, I, I, the guy wants to win. I mean, if you think he's not, you're, you're crazy. He does. What I think he's having a little bit difficult doing is getting that, like you're talking about that continuity between the staff and saying, Hey, you know what? I'm not exactly sure. I've got the, <laughs> the best offensive coordinator or, you know what? I got to get, uh, I got to start mixing, you know, getting a better tight ends coach, getting, you know, you know, Sharona Moore uh, was a great hire and getting some of these other guys in there to, to find the right key and getting the right people in place that he, that he can uh, coach and maybe be a, what we need is a Don Brown on the offense of somebody that he <laughs> rely on. We don't, I think he just lets Don Brown be Don Brown, which is great. That and is fantastic. Right. And then you get Jim Harbaugh going, I'm, I'm running the show and I'm running the offense. And sometimes I think it gets in his way. I think he needs an offensive coordinator and I'm not sure, you know, Drib knows the guy. I don't know. Um, you, you, I've seen a lot from him, and I'm not exactly sure I'm on board with the guy. But, you know, if Jim Harbaugh is, then you just got to trust that. But um, the only thing I have, and I'll, you know, it, it, it might be different from other, it might be even different from you guys that I think I don't like about Harbaugh and what he's doing is the very fact is a lot of, a lot of effort and a lot of time and a lot of, uh, things taken away from practice like if you know you go in the rome and you know rome trip you think you know that was really cool even i was on board saying wow that's really cool the recruits like it the players love it it gets the morality up it gets them ready and then i keep thinking michigan state's there thinking you guys can go to rome we're going to be practicing and we want to beat your guys's head off (laughs) you know and here i am going and then, you know, they're dying their hair, and it was for a great cause, and I, I appreciate that. I thought that was really cool. But then they're on the beach, and they're having fun there. And there seems to be a lot of off-the-field things happening with this team. That's a lot of energy, and I think a lot of Michigan fans want to see more energy, you know, on the field, practicing, putting your heads down, and not hearing from Michigan football for a while for months and focus on beating your rivals. I mean, right now you got Harbaugh. He's sitting at one and five against his rivals. And that one win was against Michigan state at Michigan state. And that should have been a blowout. We didn't really necessarily blow them out. So, and we haven't beat Ohio state. When you have that kind of record against your rivals, 
it's going to rub Michigan fans the wrong way, and it's just going to happen. Um, I think this year is the it has to be a good year for him. I think he has to beat Michigan State. I'm not exactly sure. I'm going to talk about Ohio State, but Michigan State is a must. Uh, I think they can just given the talent that's coming back. It's crazy good. Uh, yeah, yeah, you got. I mean, you got all the receivers. You got this defense is sick. They're young. You got this young offense, and it's just bringing this team together and saying the offense has to live up to expectations as the defense. And if we can, man, I think we can really roll this year and really do really, really well and get that offense going and score more than nine TDs throwing the ball. And I think we'll do really, really well. But, uh, yeah, I mean – I like Harbaugh. I think he's eccentric. Like Tyler said, you're not going to change the guy. He's eccentric. It's the way he is. He's not going to change. You know, he's going to say, you know, he's such a weird guy. I wish he wouldn't act that way. That's Harbaugh. You're telling him to act something. He's always been that way. So, you know, looking back at back when he was in San Francisco. Right. Seriously. Right. And Stanford. And Stanford. So I'm going, you know what? Like Tyler said, it's he's here for the long haul. Get used to it. And. You know, I don't like Saban, but, you know, he yells at the media anytime he can. Do I hate it? Of course I do. But that's Saban. He does it all the time. So um, that's somebody we're just going to have to live with. And I think he's a great, awesome coach from Michigan. It's just the patience, I think. It's really tough. And because you look at Georgia, who's a young team, they they get to the national championship game with, you know, a freshman. You get you get a lot of young players playing and they get to the final four and Michigan doesn't. And I think that really makes Michigan fans a little bit nervous and upset that we should be there. But um, I mean, it doesn't always work out that way. Um, well, with the whole thing with what the players and the coaches are doing during the off season, everything, I mean, that's regulated by time. Like there's only right. so much time that you can be practicing because otherwise you're going to be, slammed with violations and things like that so I rich ride <laughs> yeah exactly uh, that, <laughs> that happened right then so uh so there's a limit so i mean as far as like if they're doing something uh outside of that it's in my opinion not really a problem and actually probably a better thing because then again that comes down to it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks except for probably recruits and players because right. it's going to be a bonus for them it's going to be something that either draws them to the school or br- or keeps them at the school so really, like, if anybody has a problem with it, it's just like, so you're saying we want you to practice, but you know that we can't practice. So they're just doing something extra that can be a positive to help with recruiting. I understand, I mean, being a fan, that nobody likes what you said, Craig, with the whole record against the the rivals and things like that. I mean, that makes sense. But honestly, <clears throat> and I know... Oh, well, I want to say I know, but I'm quite confident that this doesn't really pertain to anybody that's going to be listening to the show. Is but the big one of the biggest negative things that we have working against us is ourselves, is the fans. Like you brought up, mm-hmm. that Michigan fan base is players and recruits are talking about that's one of the worst, and it proves to be one of the worst. If you go out there and you look and you see what people are saying, and it's it's crazy to see too because yes, there are always fans that attack their own. Uh, school that they're a fan of, but it seems like most of the time those negative fans from other fan bases attack other schools more often than they attack their own. But it seems yeah. like almost the exact opposite with Michigan, where there's more attacking from the Michigan fan base against their own, against their own team, against their own coaches directly than there are with fan the Michigan fans attacking. Uh, Ohio State fans or Ohio State coaches or Michigan State fans and Michigan State coaches. It, it's discouraging, and honestly, if anybody wants to point any fingers, there are, uh, there are fans out there that can only sit there. And, and it's, it's honestly stupid that it comes to this, that the negative effect that's coming from anywhere is more so on them than most other things that they're complaining and arguing about. So... Right. Um, Something talking here about, like, coaching and performance, and I know uh, Tyler was touching about, you know, what would maybe have to happen for Harbaugh not to be here long term and uh, Craig bringing up what probably needs to happen in the next couple years. Um, Something that I think that people really kind of need to understand and put it in a little perspective, too, is, uh, and, and this isn't really making excuses, but it's just like, 
we, we've talked. And, and I, I feel like I'm making excuses, but I just discuss it because I feel like people don't really look at it. And I'm not saying that I'm not frustrated with how things turned out either and disappointed and thinking that it should be better than it is. But yeah, I mean, you're a Michigan fan. That's that's just how it is. Yeah, right. and people should be rational, but a lot of people aren't. But he, here are a couple of things that people haven't really looked at. Um, I, we always talk about, you know, the mess that Harbaugh came in and picked up. But other things that kind of came in, too, and everybody's just like, oh, you know, Harbaugh's not successful in his first three years, and all these other coaches beat Michigan and Michigan State X amount of times in their first three years. No other Michigan coach – from as far back as I can tell, and my memory can uh, help me from looking at the level of these coaches of other programs that I don't follow that well from the past, no other Michigan coach has come into the, the conference, whether it was the Big Ten or before Michigan came to the Big Ten, that had such a stacked conference with coaches. No, no other coach. I mean, he's coming That's great in point. against Urban Meyer, who nobody can deny he is one of the greatest coaches in college football right now. Mark D'Antonio, who's a good coach. Craig and I always talk about he's a good coach. We don't like him personally, but he's a, he's a good football coach. He gets work done. Uh, James Franklin has come in and done diff- uh, new things at Penn State and done things better. And there are new coaches coming in all the time. You see what's happening at Wisconsin. You see what's been done at Iowa. You've seen uh, the coaches come in. You don't know what Scott Frost is going to do at Nebraska. You have not seen uh, the Big Ten, especially the division that Michigan is in, have these kind of coaches in it ever before and yet everybody thinks Jim Harbaugh is a good coach but everybody thinks that he's just going to be able to pull out a rabbit out of the hat and be like boom we're unbeatable in this conference that has these fantastic coaches in it um so because it's just I mean because even if you go back to I even if you go back to Carr, which I feel like a lot of people are going back to, Lloyd Carr and everything, when he first started out, his first three years, he was playing against, for rivalry games, like you were talking about, Craig, he was playing against John Cooper and Nick Saban. And, yeah, right. big name Nick Saban, those, his best winning record for those three seasons for Nick Saban was seven wins. This was not Nick Saban, Alabama. This was not Nick Saban, LSU. This was Nick mm-hmm. Saban, MSU. And then John Cooper, for anybody who's know, who knows, is that um, he had 13 years with Ohio State, and he only mustered up two wins against Michigan and one tie. So that that's a thing that people are looking back to. I mean, obviously, Rich Rod was a mess. Brady Hoke was a mess. So then everybody goes jumps back to Lloyd Carr and be like, wow, look what he did. He came in three years in a row and beat, uh, beat Ohio State and was able to take down Michigan State, too. And it's just like... You, you guys don't aren't paying attention to the different variables. Har, I, I love Harbaugh. I think he's great, and I, I think I know you two agree with me here and everything. I'm mostly kind of saying this for other people listening. Uh, there are a lot of other things going on. I think one of a big detriment, and I'm kind of getting out of the 2017 conversation, I guess, here, but I think it had a big impact on this season, uh, goes actually all the way back to the end of the 2015 season, the end of his first season, because we had Jed Fish and Drevno. And Mm -hmm. at the end of that season, uh, Drevno and Durkin both were gone. Uh, Surprising. I I was shocked about Durkin. A lot of people were talking about how Fish was going to be leaving. I felt at the end of that season that it was going to be more difficult to replace Durkin than Fish, and I was so wrong. So, so terribly wrong because we've seen what's developed in the past two years where the defense has taken off. And like you were saying, Craig, basically hand over to Don Brown and he takes care of it. And then the offense is the thing that is almost being coddled and uh, handled like it's fragile and it's it's getting nowhere. It's not getting developed. It's not um, being toughened up and everything. And it's just this fragile thing that nobody really knows how to handle. And that's been everything since Jed fit. I mean, I do not feel like anything's been the same since Jed fish has left. So I, I, it comes down to Harbaugh making the changes and making things different. There's still maybe some hope and anticipation that, uh, maybe some changes will come with offensive coordinator position here, uh, as the NFL season is coming to a close and maybe some changes, but, uh, kind of up in the air. 
I kind of wanted to get that out there because I know a lot of that impacted here this year and just kind of, it's not a one season thing. It's developed and prolonged over the three years that we've had some of this coaching staff here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead, Tyler. Yeah, actually, um, you know, the whole point that you just made about Jed Fish, I'm going to throw a name out here. And this, you might think that this doesn't really have anything to do with Michigan football, but does anyone know the name Greg Olson? Not talking about the tight end for the Panthers, talking about the offensive coordinator for the Raiders. No. Yeah. Okay, so here, let me just uh, let me bring him up real fast. Now, this guy, he kind of has a track record of nothing but success, and that's with the quarterback position. And. You know, I'll kind of give you a couple of, you know, dates and so names that he's worked with. And some of them are pretty eye-opening when it comes to a quarterback coach, you know, especially as an offensive coordinator or even just a quarterback coach. And and that's in Jed Fish's case. So you have a dude who is kind of a, an offensive line specialist in, in Tim Drevno. And then you have this, you know, Jed Fish, who's a great quarterback coach. That's when we had Rudock, who was absolutely dicing up teams towards the end of the 2015 season. That's when you had uh, Spate. Spate pre-injury in 2016 looked like a very, very viable quarterback. And, you know, especially as a redshirt sophomore, people were having daydreams. Me, I was having daydreams of this guy going pretty decently high in the draft. So this guy, Greg Olson, um, starting, I believe, the 06-07 St. Louis Rams. He was the offensive coordinator. I believe that's when they had Mark Bulger and Steven Jackson. They had a great offense back then. And then, let's see, he was the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when he got the absolute most out of a guy like Josh Freeman. And then he, you know, and then a couple of years later, he winds up being the offense, the quarterback coach for the LA Rams. And I think everyone saw the explosion that happened with uh, Jared Goff this past season. So now this guy, you know, he's going to be going to a place like Oakland with the keys to you know, an offense led by Amari Cooper and Marshawn Lynch and Derek Carr. So I do think quarter, the quarterback position is the most invaluable position on the entire field. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have anything. And Michigan figured that one out this year, but I, it's also the coaching, especially at the, uh, the quarter, uh, especially at the college level. You know, you look at guys like, um, I'm going to, I'm going to take us back to the national title game right now. Um, and, I'm probably going to butcher his name, but when Tua Tagovailoa came in, yep. there's one play in particular. It's it's the absolute dime that he threw in that overtime. Yep. And um, I'm going to – hopefully you guys don't mind name dropping, but there's a, there's a Michigan uh, Twitter account. Uh, his name is like – I think it's Do51. He's, he's a great guy. Everyone should go follow him. Um, he yeah. actually – yeah, he actually highlights a, that on that play how their true freshman quarterback, this kid's like 18, 19 years old, and he's looking off the safety. Like, when have we seen a Michigan quarterback do that since since Jed Fish left? You don't see that here anymore. You Instead, you see Brandon Peters take a three-step drop back and absolutely stare one of his receivers down, probably a tight end on a, on a, you know, a dig route or something convoluted that takes way too much time to actually develop and he just gets drilled you know it's it's not fun to watch especially when you see other teams doing it so much better and you know that well that's the guy that we let go that he probably would have helped us quite a bit honestly but instead you saw josh rosen who more than likely didn't actually need jed fish but i think jed fish going there helped josh rosen have a massive season once again yeah that's a great point i mean you're talking about you know yeah, you're talking about Greg Olson, you know, having um, uh, what's his face, uh, Gruden now becoming the coach over at the Raiders, which is huge. And Gruden knows, you know, he he knows his staff. He knows what staff he wants, and he sees talent. And exactly, you're absolutely what... right. And Caleb and I talked about that, Tyler. We said um, that uh, the one of the things with our quarterbacks is staring down receivers and staring down. You know, not going through through their progressions fast enough, and you know, and I, you know, sometimes you, uh, Caleb and I have talked about, is the offensive line not blocking fast enough, <laughs> well enough? I mean, when you're talking, what I count, sometimes I count three seconds. The offensive line blocks. Well, for some college kid who's at quarterback, 
that's almost impossible. And I said the only person I know that can get the ball away in the pros in 2.2 or 3 seconds is Tom Brady. <laughs> and he's the only one I know that can do it that quickly. Nah, Drew Brees. Yeah, right. Drew Brees. You, you know, know what I mean? But it's, oh, I mean, yeah. those are two great quarterbacks, two, yeah. two Hall of Famers. But then yeah. again, that being yeah. said, with college, you can totally scheme that up, though. Yeah. I mean, look at, like, when, when they had a. Who obviously I think we all remember this, but what when uh, Ohio State's Joe Thomas Barrett, he absolutely went off against Penn State like seventeen of seventeen for one hundred and eighty yards and three touchdowns. I believe in that entire drive, in like that entire quarter, I think he got the ball off in like two point five seconds. Yeah. You know, you let your playmakers do the work, and that's kind of the problem that I think Michigan's having. Because, and I think that's why bringing in a wide receiver coach could possibly help us because. I mean, he's not an actual official coach, but hopefully this guy says, hey, look, you guys don't need to get jammed at the line of scrimmage for, like, you know, like five seconds while your quarterback's getting drilled. Right, right. I mean, do you find did you find the play calling uh, to be very vanilla, very lackadaisical, very uh, – uh, Honestly, the, the play calling made uh, – Predictable, I guess. Extremely predictable. It made Brian DeBull look like a, a certified genius. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Nice, nice. Well, that was the thing that was so crazy about it too is the fact that at one point of the season it was extremely overcomplicated. I mean, wasn't a, the Michigan State game where somebody broke it down and they said there? I can't even remember how many different seven thousand different formations. Yeah, and then they're just like, like, come on, they're just like, right. okay, we're overcomplicating this, and then they oversimplify. We even mentioned on the show, it's just like, okay, just simplify it. Do several good, uh, several things really well. And then build off of that, but then they oversimplify exactly. it, where the other team even comes out after the game to state nope. that we knew from their film what they were going to do. Right. Yep, that's uh, thank you, South Carolina, for telling us that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's adjustments. Then going off with Tyler talking about the you know going to the national championship game. I mean, what kind of balls does it take for Saban to say, "Hey, guess what? My uh, my quarterback, I'm going to sit you." who's only got two losses in his career and absolute put, stones. I know I mean, <laughs> rocks hard stones to do that. Who does that? I want well, Nick Saban. That's why he has five national titles. Well, basically Saban is telling the world, I don't care about loyalty. I care about winning. And you know what? In a way it, it works I and mean, it works out. In fact, Alabama would have not won that game if he didn't make that move. Oh, not, without a doubt. No. Oh yeah. It's adjustments. I mean, that's adjustments to put a freshman who has no clue at the biggest stage against one of the best teams in the country. And he's going to put him in there and give him all the confidence in the world because he knew that he had to spread the field and, and for him to just, uh, do a read off that safety was just genius. I mean, it was one. Yeah. Of the- I mean, come on. Yeah. And just to have him bite a little bit was awesome. And I he didn't you- make him bite, dude. He made him froze. I mean, he absolutely froze that entire defense yeah. with his eyes. And that's like, you just don't see that from a true freshman quarterback. Now, if you guys don't mind, can I, can I say something real fast? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So going back to the national title game with that true freshman quarterback, you know how everyone was like, Oh, Brandon Peters is too young. He's too young. He can't play against Penn State. Well, like, I think the national title game with the halftime switch that was so, um, you know, everyone was, like, super surprised by it. I was not. Honestly, I knew what Tua Tagovailova had in him, and I watched film on that guy extensively, mainly out of fear. I mean, that guy scares me so much. Like, I would hate to play a quarterback like that. Um and, like, you know, you have a guy like that come in. But, like, we also had Brandon Peters, and he was redshirted. And, this sure, this, this is redshirt freshman season. But, like, you know, there's got to be a certain point in time where it's like, dude, throw him to the Wolves. I understand they didn't want to throw him out there with the offensive line in the shape it was. And, obviously, comparing Alabama to Michigan is basically apples to watermelons at this point. Like, they're on two different levels, clearly. But still... I think, you know, I think if you just throw him the keys at that point and you kind of let him ride or die, much like Nick Saban did with Tua. I mean, do you take like like did you like like take the South Carolina game? Did you like Peter's po- uh, body posture, his uh, 
Not at all, man. Not at he all. Was, he looked defeated when the game was still was, in grass. He was slunched over, you know. It's you know, I, there was one play that I cannot get out of my head. I can't remember exactly what quarter it was or when it was, but there's one where he takes a three step drop and it seriously looks like a a, a tight end is about to run like maybe a five yard out route. You can't see it because the tight end is off the screen, but he is staring down someone on the right side of the field. He's slunched over and just gets annihilated. And it's like, dude. Yeah, like that that play right there was like, um, you know, what is going on here? Like, where is the actual progression of this offense? That was the major red flag for me in that game. It wasn't the fumbles. It wasn't the stupid stuff that, you know, that stuff can be prevented. It's when you have a quarter when it's when you have a quarterback who's been there for two seasons, who's saying, oh, no one's going to come into my house and take my spot doing something like that. It's like, where did he think that? okay, I can stand in the pocket for 10 hours and not get hit. And that also brings me back to John O'Corn against Ohio State where it's like, dude, you guys, you have guys like Taekwon Lewis, you have Sam Hubbard, Nick Bosa. I mean, I think that Sprinkle guy is still there. I mean, you have so many of these Chase Young. I mean, you have so many dudes coming at you who just want to absolutely murder you. You're a Michigan Wolverine. They're a Buckeye. They're coming to kill you. And it's literally John O'Corn's just standing there like, Hmm. I'm, I'm okay. Like, you know, I have the best offensive line I think has ever lived, so I'm fine. And then he just gets smacked or then he starts running around trying to do some stuff on Madden. And it's like, dude, that's not going to work against Ohio state. You know, you got to make, you got to stand in there. You got to make a quick throw, you know, a two, three second read, get it out of your hands or at least tuck it and run, do something. You got to get some yards. You yeah, can't just hold on to the ball and get drilled. Right, Tyler. You're right. And you know, I'll let Caleb jump in here is we're talking about, at the very most, I said we talked about in our other podcasts on the show about the true leader. Where is the leadership on offense is usually that comes within the quarterback. You know, you had Rudock. I'd have to tell you, man, that kid had stones, man. He he took the, a lot of those games on his shoulders and won the games for us. I mean, Indiana. in a game, wow. it was just him going – I'm going to win this game. I'm a, I'm going to win and I'm going to get the first down on with my legs and I'm going to throw the ball and he did that and he had like Baker Mayfield moments in those games where he was just hard as nails and he took everything on him and I don't I never see this with this quarterbacks we've had and you almost mm-hmm. never saw with Peters you do with Spate once in a while, maybe last year, but O'Corn never has it. Uh, Peters does, didn't really have it. He kind of looked like Eli Manning, the, you know, kind of pouted when he got off the field. And I'm like, dude, we still have this game won. We can still win this game. And he just didn't look like he wanted to win it. And and I go, you need guys like that. And, you know, yeah, they look shell shocked in the time where you need them the most, you know? I'll let Caleb jump in on that. So. Yeah, well, uh, talking about with John O'Corn and the Ohio State game and some other things with that, I, I think that there was more of a issue with that from the coaching aspect from it where – there it, and not just saying just the coaching, but uh, not calling the kind of plays where it's get the ball out of the quarterback's hands really quick. But on top of that, it's also a coaching issue where I don't think there was good development for the wide receivers because they weren't getting separation. So the quarterback had to hold on to the ball. Otherwise, it's just take yeah. a sack or throw it away probably 50% of the downs then. Uh, so they yeah. were trying to uh, do something with it. But then um, I totally do believe that in different games, and I would have been – if Michigan had the uh, – good offensive line, a capable offensive line, a dependable offensive line, I would have been okay for putting Peters in for the Penn State game. I wouldn't have necessarily um, vouched for it, but if there was a good offensive line, something that could have protected him, it's just like, yeah, you know, these players need to be able to step into these situations and do it. And the reason why you have a freshman at Alabama that can do it stepping in for the national championship game is because it was a capable offensive line. Like you were watching that play that you were referencing Tyler, where there was no one near him and he didn't have 
all day and everything. It didn't take all day for that play to develop, but he was no. he was not pressured. He was not stressed. He was sitting there in the perfect little pocket and looking off the rece- uh, looking off the safety and just had uh, a perfect amount of time just to easily do it. I mean, there it was almost like it could have been run in practice because there yeah. was there was no pressure for him to do anything. It was just like he was just sitting there. And could have had a drink before he had thrown that ball. So well, you, have to, <laughs> uh, you have to say, you know, the the play before that, he got he got rocked. He yeah, got he did for about fifteen yards. And to come back and go, you know, where his offensive line broke down, and then he comes back, and then he throws. That's what I'm talking about. You take a really bad, like you're talking about, uh, Tyler. The a corn gets nailed, and Peters gets nailed by uh, Ohio State lineman. And they look like shell shock, like, what am I going to do? I don't want to get hit by these huge guys. But then this guy, you know, from Alabama just says, hey, you know what? I got rocked. I'm going to throw a dime right in the, in the corner <laughs> and throws a beautiful pass for the touchdown for the win. It, that's that's mm-hmm. leadership. That takes a negative and you make a positive. You make you go, you know what? That was a bad throw. But guess what? Or that was a bad, bad play. It didn't work out. Let's go and make one of the best plays out of that. And I, that's leadership. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to lie. That that game-winning pass in that national title game right after that sack yeah. was probably the most disrespectful thing I have ever seen in my entire nice. football life, man. That was insane. Yeah. Well, um, to go ahead and bring this around and kind of wrap it up, uh, just kind of doing a fire – quick firing from the hip on just kind of closing things out with a closing thought or statement. Um, There are still positives to take away, as we all mentioned uh, from this season, Uh, maybe not from necessarily things that happened, but things that you can see happening. Uh, We know that Harbaugh is the type of guy that wants to win no matter what the fans think or supposedly uh, some fans supposedly say and things like that. Um, one thing that I will say that I think is one of the biggest things is that Harbaugh came into a mess and they came in and the defense has been overhauled, but the offense, we saw things hopeful at the beginning, but honestly, it's almost like we're still in the hoke years where it's just like, there is no development. You don't see the development almost anywhere on the offensive side of the ball from uh, line to running backs to quarterbacks. I mean, it's there. The potential's there, but the coaching needs to step up and needs to make something happen. So, uh, guys, if you want to close with some uh, quick statement or something, Tyler, hand it off to you first, and then Craig, if you want to uh, wrap it up before I do the closing thoughts. Yeah, honestly, um, I don't know. My last closing statement would be pretty much, I think brighter times are ahead for Michigan fans. Just kind of, you know, right now, just kind of, it's not all doom and gloom. Like, obviously there's a lot of negative, but there's also a lot of positive. So you just gotta, you know, you gotta just take it for what it is. You gotta just take it in stride. And pretty much all you gotta do is just be a good fan. You know, don't go out there and bash your other fan base for, you know, whatever reason, whatever you're trying to get out of it. Things will, things will get better. It's college football, man. Like there's patterns to it. So I think our time is going to be, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, for sure. Go ahead, Craig. Yeah, I mean, like Tyler said, there's some great things happening uh, that I saw this year with the defense and stuff. Um, I think I do. I absolutely agree. I think the offense is going to roll and do really, really well. Um, there's a couple key positions I think uh, Harbaugh is addressing. Uh, I know that he needs going to trying to get the offensive tackle. He wants to get the tackle positions down on um, the O-line, which is just vastly important for this team uh, to maintain their blocks, to get some good passing, and um, to watch the receivers do better routes um, and get separation would be great. Um, Hey, remember, you know, this offensive line had a lot of patch jobs. I mean, you talked about uh, Jim Harbaugh was rotating offensive linemen Uh, in different positions he had Ruiz here and there and I mean he was rotating guys in and out of positions and that just tells you that uh, he was trying to find a combination that worked and and some of the combinations just didn't work at times and it was pretty evident Um, but I think he's going to get offensive linemen that the grinders and do really really good job and I think he's focused on that Um, I think you know Michigan fans hang in there I mean just 
uh, like uh, Tyler was saying, just, you know, we've had downs and ups and downs, but uh, this was a down year. I know eight, eight and five is not the greatest, but uh, it's above 500, and that's a lot better than we used to be. <laughs> and, you know, I think we're going to get much, much better. Uh, we got a lot of young kids coming back, and they're going to be very, uh, uh, they've been to war. And that's going to be great. And they're going to have playing time. They've had it under their belt, and they're going to get a lot of playing time. So um, you just got to stick with them and believe in them and uh, encourage them. Yeah, yeah. Po- uh, and reinforce positivity. Uh, be the fan base that you would want to have if you were someone who had a following. Don't be the latter. Um, this is – the negativity is not going to help anything. I mean, I understand fans want to vent and things like that, but uh, as we often say, don't tweet at recruits. If you're not being positive, don't bother tweeting at coaches or players. Uh, hopefully that uh, you, we want to, everybody wants to see changes for Michigan football in 2018. I'm also wanting to see changes for the Michigan fan base in 2018. Uh, so we'll see how that comes together. Uh, Tyler, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, oh, thank you so much for having me, man. This was awesome. Going to get you on again, so yeah, for sure. We've got a lot, oh, sweet, a lot going on this off season, and we're always looking for uh, different things to do. And so it's uh, appreciative to get different people on here. So we'll be in touch to have you back. Uh, and then, uh, as always, if you guys want to get in touch or contact the show, we have the email at bluebrothersportscast at gmail dot com, and we have the voicemail uh, if you ever want to call and leave a voicemail that's 551-258-3276 or easy to remember at 551 blue bro and of course on twitter at blue bros underscore caleb or at blue bros underscore craig and if i have it right tyler you were saying warner t53 yep okay uh and so you can find all of us on twitter And uh, we're on there all the time talking about Michigan football. So uh, that is kind of the review of 2017 season. Uh, We're open to off-season conversations and topics, so feel free to let us know what you might want us to discuss. Other than that, we will go ahead and wrap it up here. We thank you guys for tuning in. We hope you have a good rest of the week and that you stay warm. We'll finish off with Go Blue. Go Blue. Go Blue.